You're listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 7. We're passing out earplugs at the door because it's going to get loud. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you lead with confidence and clarity. These are practical solutions for your ministry that you probably didn't learn in seminary. Now let's join your host, Seth Hughes, who wants to know where this relationship is going. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. I'm Seth. I'm excited that you're here. This is the podcast for ministry leaders, whether you are paid on staff or volunteer, uh, and you work in the church. And you know what? Sometimes we're thrown into situations we may or may not understand or know how to lead lead other people through or lead ourselves through. And this podcast is to help you gain some practical knowledge of things they don't teach in seminary to so that you can lead with a little more confidence and have some clarity in what it is we're doing and why we're doing it. So we lead with confidence and clarity. That's the focus. And today I want to start by telling you I've been there. I've been in ministry. I served as a youth pastor for over 17 years. And at one of the churches I worked at, we used to do this little tear off piece of the bulletin, the little printout that you give for the worship service. And on the front was a place for new people or, or, or people that had been there for a while that just haven't joined the church yet. They could give us their info. And then when we pass the plates around, they, they put the info card in the plate and that's how we gain new information. On the back of that card was also a place for prayer requests. And I want to tell you, most people use the prayer request for actual prayers. Um, and if your church is a lot like the one I was at, sometimes people don't do that. And it can be either really disheartening or really hilarious. Uh, you never know what you're going to get in the, in the prayer request column, but every once in a while you get something kind of special. And I want to tell you about a really special prayer request. And it's special because it's the worst prayer request I've ever gotten. And the reason it was worst is because not only was it bad, they kept putting it in there about every other week. And it was just awful. And I'm going to tell you what it is. And here it is. Are you ready? The worst prayer request I've ever received. We received it about every other week at this church I worked at. And here it is. It was this almost verbatim, maybe some form other version of this. And I quote, Please pray that the worship band would be turned down. That's the worst prayer request. That's if you've read my blog, I've talked about it a little bit before, but it was almost every other week that we would get that prayer request. And so I started to think, why are we getting this prayer request? And then I was then tasked to talk with our tech booth. And, and since I was the youth pastor at the time, it was like, hey, you're a youth guy. You must know about technology. Why don't you go handle this problem and try to get it fixed? And so our worship team was part, our leader was part-time. He only came in on Sundays. The team were all mostly volunteers. Some were paid. Um, you know, we, we, we were working with what we could work with. And we had a guy come in that we paid that was really a good sound guy. And so I would walk, work with this guy and we was trying to figure, we were trying to figure things out. And so through that process, I learned a few things that I want to share with you guys today, because sometimes as pastors, we don't really know why we're getting that request. We don't know why it's too loud. We just know that it is, and we don't really know how to fix it. And then we were asking people around us to help us with this problem and maybe they'll give us some answer. And sometimes, honestly, you just don't speak the audio terminology 
the, uh, the engineer nerd kind of speak that goes on sometimes in the tech booth. And then they look at you like you're an idiot and you feel like an idiot and you're like, well, I don't know what they're talking about. And so you, you're kind of left at square one today. I want to try to help bridge that gap a little bit and talk about what people really could mean when they say your worship team is too loud. So the first thing we need to do is we need to talk about, um, the obvious answer is to adjust the volume. Obviously you could do that and, and you could take the master volume and just take everything on the soundboard and bring it down. You could do that, but any sound guy is going to tell you that's not a good idea. And the reason is that's not a good idea is because that's not how they're trained to run sound. I wouldn't tell a electrician in my house how to change my plugs, you know, when he's there working, I wouldn't be like, yeah, you know what you really should do is, you know, he's going to listen to me because I don't know. So for us to go to a sound guy as pastors with no real training, if you have a trained professional sound guy and go, Hey, will you just turn the master down? That's kind of what you're doing. So that's why you get a little bit of heat if you do that. And, and honestly, I'll just tell you this right up front as a good rule, pastors should not be the ones going, should not touch the soundboard unless that's your job. Um, now, of course, at the end of the day, you're the pastor. It's your responsibility to make sure things go on. And sometimes in churches that falls to you to handle sound. So if, if you can have an ideal situation with a professional sound booth, a soundboard operator, then I would say employ that rule and trust your sound guy. Talk to him, tell him what you want. And if it's not working, get somebody else. However, if he's a professional, he kind of knows more about it than you do. And that's what I learned too, is that I knew a lot about sound, but I didn't know nearly as much as our sound guy. And I was the youth guy. I'm supposed to know a lot about tech. So what I learned through this first is I want to talk about this little device that they've probably shown you. And it's called the decibel meter. Now, a decibel meter is just simply this little device you walk around with. You can actually download free apps on your iPhone or in Google Play, too, if you can do, uh, if you're one of those kinds of people. You can go and download an app for free, and it's a sound meter or a decibel meter that you can actually use. And it works pretty good on the phone. I was using one on my iPhone to check meters, and he had an actual decibel meter. And what this thing does is it tells you basically how loud things are in the room. So if you're walking around, the band's playing. You've got this little meter. It's got a little microphone on the end. You hit a button and it takes a reading of where from wherever you are of how loud it is in the room. And it tells you how many decibels it is. Now, for most people, decibels, that just really doesn't make any sense. So I want to tell you what decibels mean a little bit. Decibels are basically a measurement of loudness and it's not volume. Okay, uh, I know that's really weird to say, but decibels are not a measurement of volume. It's a measurement of loudness, kind of like the difference between a measurement of weight and mass. Sometimes you just like, what's the difference? Well, there's a little difference and it makes a big difference in the end. So understanding that when they talk to you about decibels, they're not talking about loudness. Another thing to understand is that when you go up like three or I think it's three, maybe six decibels, you're actually doubling the loudness at that point. So a little bit goes a long way with a decibel and the way it's measured is a little different. So if I haven't lost you yet, let me give you a comparison. I'm going to read off this chart that I found online from uh, Galen Carroll Audio. It's gcaudio.com. He has a list and it is a decibel loudness comparison chart. I just want to to give you a few highlights from this list that you see how loud certain things are. Uh, you've probably seen these before. So like a normal conversation about three feet away, 
that's 60 to 65 decibels. Okay. That's me. I'm probably talking a little louder right now than 60 or 65, but a normal conversation, 60 to 65 decibels. It actually says a whisper, a a quiet whisper in a library from six feet away is 30 decibels, 30 decibels. That sounds like a lot, but it's 60 decibels is full voice. That kind of starts to make a little bit of sense when you look at it that way, right? You've doubled the volume. A lot. I always think of my whisper as like half my voice. So I don't know how you think about it. All right. So looking at city traffic from inside the car, maybe like in a busy city, 85 decibels. Uh, a subway train at 200 feet away, 95 decibels. Um, and then when you get up to 90 and 95 decibels, that's when you start to um, experience a little bit of, of hearing damage. Now, what that means is prolonged exposure at 90 to 95 can bring hearing damage. I think it's like four hours it takes before you experience hearing loss at 90 to 95. So that's actually a pretty good range for a worship team at 90 to 95. A lot of people like to go to 100, some go uh, to 85, some go to 11, you know, I don't know. But you can just decide from uh, the, how it sounds in your room how you want it to be. Um, 90 to 95 is kind of the first tier Everything under that's pretty safe. After that, between there, you start to get some a, a little bit more damage. And just so you know, a hand drill is about 98. Power mower is about 107, 105. A power saw could be 110. Um, a loud rock concert, and that may be more along the lines of what we're talking about, can sometimes be up to 115. Well, at 125 is when this chart says pain begins. So 125 is when it starts to hurt. Um, That's important to remember because if your worship team is measuring at 125 in your room, there's a reason people have their fingers in their ears, okay? And you need to do something about it. So then we start talking about solutions in a second. Uh, Just a few more. I just thought some of these were hilarious. Once you get up to 140, even short-term exposure can cause permanent damage. Um, So... The loudest recommended exposure with hearing protection is 140. Now, remember, that's pretty far from from 90 to 95. And we haven't quite doubled that yet. But when we get there, it gets ridiculous. Uh, I love this. At 140, it says that's a jet engine at 100 feet away. Uh, 12-gauge shotgun blast. So any hunters? Yeah, we're hearing protection because every time you shoot that gun, 165 decibels of sound. Uh, it says at 180, I love how this is phrased, death of hearing tissue. So 180 decibels can kill your hearing, literally kills your hearing tissue. And then uh, it says 194 is the loudest sound possible. Oh man, I would, I would love to know what, what makes that. It's probably that sea monster that they haven't found that they heard from 300 miles away or whatever. All right. So a few, a few little qualifiers here. Um, Just to understand high frequency sounds are probably the most damaging. That hi-hat, the high end of a vocal, the uh, high, high strings of a guitar, if they're turned up really loud, those can really hurt, probably at lower decibels. Does that make sense? I hope it does. So the higher pitch frequencies, the higher pitch sounds can do more damage at lower decibels. So that's something to remember when you're thinking about why does this hurt? And I'm not trying to make you into sound guys. I'm just trying to help you understand what it is your sound guy's talking about. All right, so um, mainly those high frequencies um, can really, really hurt. So 
that, that's just a little bit about decibels that we need to understand. But what happens when you've got your sound guy in the back, he's reading his decibel meter, it's reading about 95, 90 even, maybe even lower, and people still have their fingers in their ears and they're complaining about it hurting. What do you do? That may not sound like a situation that probably exists, but that's what happened to us. And that's why I had to come and, and, and start talking to our sound guy because we were, we were getting the volume down to where it needed to be, but people were still experiencing pain. Now, there's a couple of reasons that they could do that. We're going to go through that really quick here and talk about how you as a pastor could look at your, your sound of your worship team or as a worship leader, like, why are we still hurting people? And I know that's not what anybody really wants to do. Like nobody is back there, you know, petting a white cat and laughing hysterically about the pain you're causing your, your congregation. Nobody wants that. So how do you go about adjusting things so that it's not as painful? Because the, here's the, here's the bottom line truth that is really hard to understand. It's that because of the way sound works, and because of how uh, so many things that, that, that the sound depends on in your room, you could be operating at a safe decibel level and still inflicting pain on people. And, and there's a reason for that. And we're going to look at some of those possible reasons why that could be. Um, and in fact, if you do what I, if you do some of the things I'm about to tell you to do, you might even be able to turn the band up and not cause damage and get that little edge and excitement back that comes with a little bit of volume. So let's look at some of these things that people really mean when they say the worship's too loud and they pray earnestly more for your band to be turned down than for the friends to get saved. Boom. Okay, here we go. Let's look at your, de your uh, sound guy. Now, the idea we want to give uh, your sound guy, the idea is we want to give your sound guy as much control over the sound in the room as possible. We don't want the room to dictate how loud things are. And that's the goal, because if the sound guy can control how loud it is, then when an elder or a deacon or an old lady or a young guy come, or the pastor comes back there and goes, hey, turn it down, it's too loud, then they can actually do something about it that is meaningful and not lose quality of the sound coming from the stage and the band and not lose the excitement that comes with a little bit of a volume push because uh, that is a very real thing. Why do you think rock concerts, country music concerts, rap concerts, they're just so ridiculously loud? Because at some point... I know you're just, it kind of bleeds in. It doesn't matter anymore, but there is something to how loud something is being exciting. And even if it's not exciting emotionally, it affects your body physically and causes reactions that are sometimes favorable. Sometimes they just make you really, really angry. Um, so let's look at some of these things. So we want to give the sound guy as much control over the sound as we can. If he knows what he's doing, he'll make it right. If you have a sound guy that doesn't know what he's doing, it's still better. I would still suggest doing it. However, he may not be able to fix a whole lot. So here's some ways you can help that guy out for sure. First of all, you need to understand that, number one, the room makes it loud. The room can make the sound louder. When a frequency or a sound hits a hard, flat surface, it bounces. And the more it bounces, the more it like compounds on top of itself and gives itself strength. 
gives itself intensity. That that wave hits those hard surfaces and bounces, and especially those high frequencies, man, they really can ring and bounce in your room. So what you need to do to fix that is invest, and I know people hate to hear that word, but you get what you pay for in this arena, okay? Invest in acoustic tiling. You need some soft padded something on the wall. Some people hang curtains on the back wall. Some people have a company come in and they, they, they put up these foam tiles and, uh, and there's a lot of ways you can get those now that look really nice. You can do a two-tone color with your wall. It looks really nice. A lot of big churches do that, especially the warehouse looking church, you know, with the open roof and all that, that's a metal roof. So they, they spray things in, there's a, a acoustical spray. You can spray the whole thing down. Then they put their lights up. Then they hang things and they put up tiles. And you look up there next time you're in a big church or or uh, in an auditorium and just look around the room. You will see in an auditorium, in a concert hall, you will see acoustic tiling. That's there for a purpose. It deadens those high frequencies. It catches bass in different areas where it needs to and gives your sound guy some control over the sound. And the room then doesn't become your enemy. And that can make it a lot louder. Uh, the size of the room obviously affects a lot of that. The smaller the room, uh, the more sound you're going to have bouncing around, especially a hard wall. And if you've got a cinder block in your in your church, God bless you. That is the hardest thing in the world to deaden. It just does one thing, and that is bounce. And so I uh, feel for you. I used to have this worship leader who I, I talked to about this. He actually said, I want to keep the acoustics of the room. I like the natural sounds. So I'm like, yeah, well, if we've got a pipe organ and a choir that's not mic'd, sure, that can really help things out or make it sound okay. And you don't want to acoustically tile too much if that's how you do it. But since a lot of our churches were actually built after 1600, and even if they weren't, we're still trying to put drums in them, which is an instrument you play by hitting it. Okay. You've got to be able to control some of that because those instruments are loud. They are loud. Um, so the room can make it really, really loud. Thinking about that as acoustical things, it depends on what you want to do in the room. If you're trying to have a worship team and a band and be, you know, a kind of modern look of, of worship, sorry, that's backwards. You need to you need to deaden the walls. You need to, to get something done for acoustics. Um, bouncing frequencies are not acoustics. They are annoying. So the room could make it loud. All right, number two, the EQ needs to be adjusted. All right. So, um, you know, when you're like in a noisy restaurant and you hear like a kid over in the corner and he's just going rah, rah, or whatever, making some sound on, or on some kind of rhythm and you notice it. And then all of a sudden you can't notice, you can't hear anything else, but that kid making that noise. And, and so sometimes with an EQ or an equalization, um, these are all the frequencies that a sound guy can adjust. Sometimes it just means pulling something kind of down in the mix, uh, making a, a hi-hat mic softer or making that vocalist, you know, changing the EQ so it's not as bright and, and hurtful and just deadening the top a little bit. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> if you, you can do things to each individual thing on the stage. And if your sound guy has control over that, he can fix some of that from the back. So maybe the EQ just needs adjusting. It's kind of like when you're in church in a small church. And if you've been there, especially a small church, um, the pastor is preaching and all of a sudden, you know exactly how far away 
the person opening the peppermint is. You know exactly, because you hear that peppermint package, you hear them go, it's the loudest thing in the world, especially if they do it during prayer or something like that. You can hear it, and you know what? You can focus on it, and that's what you want to do. You want it to be a place where you can actually turn the peppermint down if you want to, because you can hear it crisply in the audience. All right. So sometimes if you have a iPad app that works with your soundboard or a new board or something, he can walk around and he can adjust things and find what's called the sweet spot. Uh, You know, sometimes it has to do with where the speakers are pointing, that they're hitting the wrong places in the room. And the sound guy actually from where the sound booth is, isn't in the sweet spot. So he can't hear what it really sounds like in the fifth row. He hears what it sounds like at the back of a big room and back there sounds great. Up front sounds like garbage and it's hurtful. And so he can't really do anything. So the sound guy needs to be able to move around so he can adjust the EQ. Um, and besides EQing piano or drums gets more and more impossible. Every, the, the bigger the room or the smaller the room gets. All right. So number two, uh, sorry, number one, room makes it loud. Number two, the EQ might just need adjusting and sound, some kind of adjustment in the sound. Number three, your stage is too loud. Uh, what I mean is the stuff on the stage is too loud. If you have an acoustic drum set, like a regular drum set, not an electric one, which I hate electric drums. I'm not pushing for that at all. I think acoustic drums are way better. However, they're stupid loud. Okay, so um, I... On, on my blog, I have a post that's called Really Mean When the Worship When Worship's Too Loud. If you go to that, I link to a, uh, a what's called a drum cage. This is a big shield and padding and a lid that you basically turn the drums into a dungeon. And uh, the drums, dun- the drumgen, it's a drumgen. That's what we should call it. It's a drumgen. It's like this place where only the drummer can get in. If you do that, please put a fan in there. It gets super hot but kills a lot of the drum sound and you can control it a lot more. What's happening on the stage, the drums are so loud that those little speakers facing the singers have to be turned up louder, which means that's going to be, uh, make your stage a lot louder so they can hear themselves. Then the drummer is super loud and then it's all bouncing off that back wall and firing off into the, into the crowd. What you're hearing is the stage. And sometimes the stage is actually louder than what you're hearing in the sanctuary. That's what's happening whenever you hear a band that sounds kind of muffled. They're kind of like that, where you just, you can tell they're singing. You can tell they're doing stuff. However, it's kind of, kind of muddy. It sounds muddy. I don't know how to really describe it other than just it's murky sounding. Um, that's because your stage is actually louder than your mains, which are the speakers pointed at the crowd. So we want to make sure that, that the speakers pointed at the crowd are the louder speakers. So here's a solution for that. Isolate the drum kit. You can actually do that to amplifiers. Put them off stage, run a mic back into the back room, close it off, and then he runs through the monitors and then, or an or a in-ear system. We're going to talk about that in a second. So you can isolate things. Put shields up, plexiglass shields. You can buy those. They're pretty cheap. Um, musician's Friend, Clearwater, uh, oh, sorry, Clearsonic, Sweetwater, uh, dot com, all these places online, you can buy this stuff that's really, really cheap. So uh, go invest in that kind of stuff, because if you've got a small stage, trust me, these are things that are going to make Sunday morning so much better and and so much more enjoyable to, to be in the crowd. And you won't get that prayer request that says, please pray that the band gets turned down and 
the pastor gets saved. So here we go. First, the room makes it loud. EQ needs adjusting. Your stage is too loud. I want to say the last thing about the stage being too loud. Another solution is to, some people don't like to get away from the little monitors that are on the ground. I personally like those. I'm a musician, worship leader as well. I like having those. However, I know that having that plus maybe a, a headphone in with the, that's the monitor so I can hear myself sing is it helps cut down the stage noise a whole lot. There is a system called the Aviom system. It's fairly inexpensive. It's wired. I think there are wireless versions of it too. There are definitely wireless versions of monitors that you can put on a, like a belt pack and, it, and it's just earphones and run all kinds of stuff to those so that your musicians can use those as monitors instead of the big loud speakers. So then the sound guy has more control over what's going on. That's a good solution. You can find cheap versions on Musician's Friend or Guitar Center. Just search, you know, in-ear monitors and you'll find a whole bunch of great stuff. All right. So fourth, the tempo is too fast or sonically unpleasant. The songs are sonically unpleasant. Now, here's what I mean by that. There are some styles of music that just make people uncomfortable. Um, Punk rock played really fast, Green Day style, on Sunday morning. Can you imagine the feelings that that would create if your band did that? So there is something to be said about how fast you play a song, because some people might actually interpret that as volume, believe it or not. They interpret that as I, I felt just uncomfortable about it. It was so fast. Um, maybe there's a guitar that has like too much of the overdrive on it. And they interpret that as hurtful or painful. And, and because they can't really put their finger on it. I'm not saying that's what it is, but I am saying that sometimes they, they your, your congregation or maybe even you as a pastor, you cannot quite process or put your, put into words what's going on and how you're feeling. So sometimes it's just easier to go. It was too loud. You know, there are bands like uh, old rock bands, like from the 80s and stuff like ACDC and, um, you know, Guns N' Roses and, and those kind of hair metal bands and things. They were they're in concert. They're really loud. But even on the radio, they were considered to be loud rock, you know, because of the way they sang, of the way they played. So some of that is just interpreted that way. And that may sound really weird. Maybe you've never seen that. Maybe you've never experienced that, but sometimes just that can be something that translates. Style uh, sometimes just doesn't gel with your people, and they just don't know how to express and what they feel, and they just say, it's just too loud. It's just too loud. And what they really mean is, I don't like it, which is hard to, hard to translate that, but sometimes that's what they mean. I just don't like that style. All right, so number f- uh, four was tempo is too fast or sonically unpleasant. Number five is my favorite. Here's the thing. Some people just take music way too personally and they cannot be pleased. Some people are going to sit right there in that seat they've always sat in for 30 years, even though it's in front of your brand new subwoofer and you've got that thing cranking. They have a, a pacemaker and it messes their heart up. But man, that's where I've been sitting and you need to just turn it down. Sometimes you just can't do anything about that and there's just not a real solution. So pass out the earplugs at the door and try to encourage them to sit somewhere else. Uh, because sometimes, I mean, it is okay to say, well, I'm sorry, but we are running sound a certain way that meets a certain, um, because of who we're trying to reach. I don't know how you want to say it, but you can say, 
we have at the back, it is not as upsetting or is not as loud or uh, over here and tell them, get the sound guy to find out where kind of the dead zones are in your room and say, okay, on this row right here in these five seats, it doesn't hurt as bad. Because if a sound guy knows what's going on, he's probably found those dead spots in the room where it's just not loud. You can't hear it. Sounds muffled. Some people prefer that. I think that sounds terrible. However, I have ears that have already been damaged quite a bit by being in bands, so it doesn't really matter to me as much. However, they may have really sensitive ears and they want to be at the back. But we don't want to kick them out of our service. We don't want them to feel like they can't be part of it just because the band is so loud. We have to understand that some people's ears are just sensitive. And we have to be aware of that and be able to try to do our best to try to reach all of our people and accommodate them in a way so they can worship as well. Because whether or not they have sensitive hearing hearing, or basically no hearing like me, then we're all there really to do one thing, and that is to worship God together. And we need to find our best way to do that. Because uh, sometimes, you know what, the band is just too stinking loud. You have all that in place and we're just blasting it up like a concert. And we wonder and we get offended when people go, hey, worship's a show, worship the concert. And we're like, well, no, it's not. Well, we kind of mix it that way. You know, we made it that way. So we have to take a little ownership of this and realize that what we're there to help them do is worship. It's not to impress them. It's not to have a cool sound system. It's not to blow people away. It is to make sure that they meet with our holy God. And that is the point. So it's a huge barrier to worship um, because what we're trying to do as sound people and engineers, communications people, as tech crew, sound uh, graphic engineers, graphic designers, people like that, all we're really working towards in a worship experience is we are trying to remove as many barriers to the Holy Spirit working in someone's life as we possibly can. Because we know that's what the enemy is there to do, to put up these roadblocks and these barriers to keep people from meeting with God, to keep people from hearing the message, to keep people from hearing the gospel. And how do you do that? Not just by shutting their ears off, but by giving them something to upset them and cause them to focus on that. And we want to remove those distractions, those barriers. And you know what? That's the goal. So when a person comes to me and is maybe elderly and says, it's just too loud, we can't just brush that kind of stuff off, especially if it happens a lot because that person is important that they're there with us. So we have to try to find a way to either talk them through what we're doing, offer some solutions, give earplugs out, or just adjust how we do things. And I'm certainly not saying just because you hear it once, just change everything. But I am saying if you hear it a lot like we did, we actively adjust it. And now at that church, we enclose the drums we haven't put up uh, any kind of tiling yet. We've gotten a new system. We have taken the guitar amps off the stage. We've gone to an in-ear monitor system. And man, it is so much better in that room. Now we don't really have to invest in the five grand or whatever it is to acoustically tile the room right now. I think we still still should, and we probably would. Uh, we'll get there eventually, how because it, it just makes it all the much better. But we were able to solve the problem without a huge expense. That drum cage costs about eighteen hundred bucks. The, uh, the Aviom system, I don't know how much that was. You can look those up online. They're not too expensive for a budget. So there are ways to take care of this issue without just breaking the bank. And I think we should work really hard to do that because as a church, when people come into our room, we don't want to blow them away and cause a distraction or a barrier to the Holy Spirit working in their life. We want them to focus on the message of God with the greatest of ease. 
So that's what we got for you today on the podcast. What, what do people really mean when they say your worship is too loud? What they could mean is the room makes it too loud. They could mean that the EQ or the mix needs to, needs to be adjusted. They could mean that your stage volume is a little bit too loud or that they simply just don't like the style of the tempo, the sonically unpleasing sounds that they hear in the music. And sometimes people just take it so personally they just can't be pleased. And we need to try and work hard to accommodate them if we can. But sometimes we just can't. We just offer a smile and a set of earplugs and say, hope to see you on Sunday. So that's what I got for you this week. Now, if you'll do me a favor while you're listening to this, you're probably in the car right now. If you would do me a huge favor and go to iTunes, to this podcast, and give me a rating and review. That helps me to get up higher, really helps me out in the rankings a lot. And so that more people can discover this podcast and uh, we can share some of this knowledge together. Um, I've had a couple of really hilarious reviews given by some friends. I'd love to see if anybody out there could top them. Um, they're pretty good. I have a few good ones out there. I've given a few reviews myself that uh, I, I'm kind of proud of. There's they're, they're both pointed and true and also hilarious. So um, I hope that you can do that for me. I'd love it if you want to leave something ridiculous as a, as a review. Um, maybe next time on our, I, after I read them and I read every one of them, uh, I'll read yours out on the next podcast. So give me a good review and uh, I hope to see you back here next in two weeks on Seminary of Hard Knocks. See ya.